Book Six, Canto Four of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Canto Four. Calipine by a salvage man from Turpin rescued is, and whilst an infant from a bear he saves, his love doth miss. Like as a ship with dreadful storm long tossed, having spent all her masts and her ground hold, now far from harbor likely to be lost, at last some fisher bark doth near behold that giveth comfort to her courage cold. Such was the state of this most courteous knight, being oppressed by that fater bold, that he remained in most perilous plight, and his sad lady left in pitiful affright till that by fortune passing all foresight a salvage man which in those woods did one drawn with that lady's loud and piteous shright toward the same incessantly did run to understand what there was to be done there he this most discourteous craven found as fiercely yet as when he first begun chasing the gentle calipine around sparing him the more for all his grievous wound the salvage man that never till this hour did taste of pity neither gentlest knew seeing his sharp assault and cruel stour was much emoved at his peril's view that even his ruder heart began to rue and feel compassion of his evil plight against his foe that did him so pursue from whom he meant to free him if he might and him avenge of that so villainous despite yet arms or weapon had he none to fight nor knew the use of warlike instruments save such as sudden rage him lent to smite but naked without needful vestments to clad his course with meek habiliments he carried not for dint of sword nor spear no more than for the stroke of straws or bents for from his mother's womb which him did bear he was invulnerable made by magic leer he stayed not to advise which way were best his foe to sail or how himself to guard and with fierce fury and with force infest upon him ran who being well prepared his first assault full warily did ward and with the push of his sharp pointed spear full on the breast him struck so strong and hard that forced him back recoil and reel a rear yet in his body made no wound nor blood appear with that the wild man more enraged grew like to a tiger that hath missed his prey and with mad mood again upon him flew, regarding neither spear that mote him slay, nor his fierce steed that mote him much dismay. The savage nation doth all dread despise. Though on his shield he gripal hold did lay, and held the same so hard that by no wise he could him force to loose, or leave his enterprise. Long did he rest and wring it to and fro, and every way did try, but all in vain for he would not his greedy gripe forego, but hailed and pulled with all his might and main, that from his steed him nigh he drew again, who, having now no use of his long spear, so nigh at hand, nor force his shield to strain, both spear and shield as things that needless were, he quite forsook, and fled himself away for fear. But after him the wild man ran apace, and him pursued with importune speed, for he was swift as any buck in chase, and had he not in his extremest need been helped through the swiftness of his steed, he had him overtaken in his flight, who ever as he saw him nigh succeed, gan cry aloud with horrible affright, and shriek it out a thing uncomely for a knight. 
but when the salvage saw his labor vain in following of him that fled so fast he weary walks and back returned again with speed unto the place where as he last had left that couple near their utmost cast there he that night full sorely bleeding found and eke the lady fearfully aghast both for the peril of the present stound and also for the sharpness of her rankling wound for though she were right glad so rid to be from that vile losel which her late offended yet now no less encumbrance did she see and peril by this salvage man pretended against whom she saw no means to be defended by reason that her knight was wounded sore therefore herself she wholly recommended to god's sole grace whom she did oft implore to send her succor being of all hope forlore but the wild man contrary to her fear came to her creeping like a fawning hound and by rude tokens made to her appear his deep compassion of her doleful stound kissing his hands and crouching to the ground for other language he had none nor speech but a soft murmur and confused sound of senseless words which nature did him teach to express his passions which his reason did impeach and coming likewise to the wounded knight when he beheld the streams of purple blood yet flowing fresh as moved with the sight he made great moan after his salvage mood and running straight into the thickest wood a certain herb from thence unto him brought whose virtue he by use well understood the juice whereof into his wound he wrought and stopped the bleeding straight ere he had staunched thought then taking up that recreant's shield and spear which erst he left he signs unto them made with him to wend unto his wooning near to which he easily did them persuade far in the forest by a hollow glade covered with mossy shrubs which spreading broad did underneath them make a gloomy shade where foot of living creature never trod ne scarce wild beasts durst come there was this white's abode thither he brought these unacquainted guests to whom a fair semblance as he could he showed by signs by looks and all his other guests but the bare ground with hoary moss bestrowed must be their bed their pillow was unsowed and the fruits of the forest was their feast for their bad steward neither ploughed nor sowed ne fed on flesh ne ever of wild beast did taste the blood obeying nature's first behest yet howsoever base and mean it were they took it well and thanked god for all which had them freed from that deadly fear and saved from being to that caitiff thrall here they of force as fortune now did fall compelled were themselves a while to rest glad of that easement though it were but small that having there their wounds a while redressed they mote the abler be to pass unto the rest during which time that wild man did apply his best endeavor and his daily pain in seeking all the woods both far and nigh for herbs to dress their wounds still seeming fain when aught he did that did their liking gain so as ere long he had that night his wound recured well and made him whole again but that same lady's hurt no herb he found which could redress for it was inwardly unsound now when as calapine was waxen strong upon a day he cast abroad to wend to take the air and hear the thrush's song unarmed as fearing neither foe nor friend and without sword his person to defend there him befell unlooked for before 
an hard adventure with unhappy end, a cruel bear, the which an infant bore betwixt his bloody jaws, besprinkled all with gore. The little babe did loudly scrike and squall, and all the woods with piteous plaints did fill, as if his cry did mean for help to call to Calipine, whose ears, those screeches shrill, piercing his heart, with pity's point did thrill, that after him he ran with zealous haste to rescue the infant ere he did him kill, whom, though he saw now somewhat overpassed, yet by the cry he followed and pursued fast. Well then him chanced his heavy arms to want, whose burden mote impeach his needful speed, and hinder him from liberty to pant. For having long time as his daily weed them went to wear, and wend on foot for need, now wanting them, he felt himself so light, that like an hawk, which feeling herself freed from bells and jesses which did let her flight, him seemed his feet did fly, and in their speed delight. So well he sped him, that the weary bear ere long he overtook, and forced to stay, and without weapon him assailing near, compelled him soon the spoiler down to lay, wherewith the beast, enraged to lose his prey, upon him turned, and with greedy force and fury to be crossed in his way, gaping full wide, did think without remorse to be avenged on him, and to devour his course. But the bold knight, no whit thereat dismayed, but catching up in hand a ragged stone, which lay thereby, so fortune did him aid, upon him ran, and thrust it all atone into his gaping throat, that made him groan and gasp for breath, that he nigh choked was, being unable to digest that bone. Ne could it upward come, nor downward pass, ne could he brook the coldness of the stony mass. Whom, when as he thus cumbered did behold, striving in vain that nigh his bowels brast, he with him closed, and laying mighty hold upon his throat, did gripe his gorge so fast that wanting breath him down to ground he cast. And then, oppressing him with urgent pain, ere long enforced to breathe his utmost blast, gnashing his cruel teeth at him in vain, and threatening his sharp claws, now wanting power to strain. Then took he up betwixt his armes twain the little babe sweet relics of his prey whom pitying to hear so sore complain from his soft eyes the tears he wiped away and from his face the filth that did it ray and every little limb he searched around and every part that under sweathbands lay lest that the beast's sharp teeth had any wound made in his tender flesh but whole them all he found so, having all his bands again uptied, he with him thought back to return again. But when he looked about on every side to weet which way were best to entertain, to bring him to the place where he would fain, he could no path nor tract of foot descry, ne by inquiry learn, nor guess by aim, for naught but woods and forests far and nigh that all about did close the compass of his eye. Much was he then encumbered, ne could tell which way to take. Now west he went a while, then north, then neither, but as fortune fell. So up and down he wandered many a mile, with weary travel and uncertain toil, yet not the nearer to his journey's end, and evermore his lovely little spoil crying for food did greatly him offend. So all that day in wandering vainly he did spend. At last, about the setting of the sun, himself out of the forest he did wind, and by good fortune the plain champion won. 
where looking all about where he might find some place of succor to contend his mind at length he heard under the forest side a voice that seemed of some woman kind which to herself lamenting loudly cried and oft complained of fate and fortune oft defied to whom approaching when as she perceived a stranger wight in place her plaint she stayed as if she doubted to have been deceived or loath to let her sorrows be bewrayed whom when his calapine saw so dismayed he to her drew and with fair blandishment her cheering up thus gently to her said what be you woeful dame which thus lament and for what cause declare so mote ye not repent to whom she thus what need me sir to tell that which yourself have erst a red so right a woeful dame ye have me termed well so much more woeful as my woeful plight cannot redress it be by living wight nathless quoth he if need do not you bind do it disclose to ease your grieved sprite oft-times it haps that sorrows of the mind find remedy unsought which seeking cannot find then thus began the lamentable dame sith then ye needs will know the grief i hoard I am the unfortunate Matilde by name, the wife of bold Sir Bruin, who is lord of all this land, late conquered by his sword from a great giant, called Cormorant, whom he did overthrow by yonder ford, and in three battles did so deadly daunt that he dare not return for all his daily vaunt. So is my lord now seized of all the land, as in his fee, with peaceable estate, and quietly doth hold it in his hand nay any dares with him for it debate but to these happy fortunes cruel fate hath joined one evil which doth overthrow all these our joys and all our bliss abate and like in time to further ill to grow and all this land with endless loss to overflow for the heavens envying our prosperity have not vouchsafed to grant unto us twain the gladful blessing of posterity which we might see after ourselves remain in the heritage of our unhappy pain, so that for want of heirs it to defend, all is in time like to return again to that foul fiend, who daily doth attend to leap into the same after our lives end. But most my lord is grieved herewithal, and makes exceeding moan, when he does think that all this land unto his foe shall fall, for which he long in vain did sweat and swink, that now the same he greatly doth forthink. Yet was it said, there should to him a son begotten, not begotten, which should drink and dry up all the water which doth run in the next brook, by whom that fiend should be fordone. Well hoped he then, when this was prophesied, that from his sides some noble child should rise, the which, through fame, should far be magnified and this proud giant should with brave emprise quite overthrow who now gains to despise the good sir bruin growing far in years who thinks from me his sorrow all doth rise lo this my cause of grief to you appears for which i thus do mourn and pour forth ceaseless tears which when he heard he inly touched was with tender ruth for her unworthy grief and when he had devised of her case, he gan in mind conceive a fit relief for all her pain, if please her make the grief. And having cheered her, thus said, Fair dame, 
in evil's counsel is the comfort chief, which, though I be not wise enough to frame, yet, as I well it mean, vouchsafe it without blame. If that the cause of this your languishment be lack of children to supply your place, lo, how good fortune doth to you present this little babe of sweet and lovely face and spotless spirit, in which ye may enchase whatever forms ye list there to apply, being now soft and fit them to embrace, whether ye list him train in chivalry, or nursle up in lore of learned philosophy. And certes it hath oftentimes been seen, that of the like whose lineage was unknown, more brave and noble knights have raised been, as their victorious deeds have often shown, being with fame through many nations blown, than those which have been dandled in the lap. Therefore some thought that those brave imps were sown here by the gods, and fed with heavenly sap, that made them grow so high, tall honorable hap. The lady, hearkening to his senseful speech, found nothing that he said unmeet nor geason, having oft seen it tried, as he did teach. Therefore, inclining to his goodly reason, agreeing well both with the place and season, she gladly did of that same babe accept as of her own by livery and season, and, having over it a little wept, she bore it thence, and ever as her own it kept. Right glad was Calipine to be so rid of his young charge, whereof he skilled not, and is she less glad, for she so wisely did, and with her husband under hand so wrought, that when the infant unto him she brought, she made him think it surely was his own, and it in goodly thews so well upbrought that it became a famous knight well known, and did write noble deeds, the which elsewhere are shown. But Calipine, now being left alone under the greenwood side in sorry plight, without an arms or steed to ride upon, or house to hide his head from heaven's spite, Albe that dame, by all the means she might, him oft desired home with her to wend, and offered him his curtsy to requite both horse and arms, and what so else to lend, yet he them all refused, though thanked her as a friend. And for exceeding grief which inly grew that he his love so luckless now had lost, on the cold ground Maugre himself he threw, for fell despite to be so sorely crossed and there all night himself in anguish tossed, vowing that never he in bed again his limbs would rest, ne league in ease embossed, till that his lady's sight he mote attain, or understand that she in safety did remain. End of Canto 4 Recording by Thomas Copeland